Hello and welcome to the Midlife Athlete Podcast um, with your hosts, Jason and Greg. Hi, Greg. How are you? Hello. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm I'm very good. Um, <laughs> we've been obviously digging into this uh, uh, sort of foundations, if you like, of physiological, and I guess we'll probably have to go into psychological to a, to, to, to a degree as well. Um, and we've done uh, we've done muscles and we've done um, energy systems. So we thought we should do cardiovascular, respiratory, and a little bit of the autonomic, uh, just to complete complete that circle. But um, you quite rightly pointed out that we should probably do quite a disclaimer on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, neither of us are cardiologists or respiratory physicians, <laughs> uh, or in any way, shape, or form. Uh, we, yeah, we we don't. Um, we just we just, we just read it in a book and we're telling you about it so you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's we're going to go at a superficial level, right? Just so that oh, yeah. it fits in with all, so you can kind of understand what happens when you exercise and how you can manipulate stuff, and fits in a little bit with the energy systems that we talked about, and and uh, there's going to be a mechanics about how we breathe, which which I guess you know fits in with your world yeah I, world. Do, yeah I do a lot of breathing a lot of looking at looking at uh, uh mechanics of breathing which we'll come on to later yeah 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 so so i suppose what we should do is define what those three systems are so the respiratory system is is the lung system i guess what most people would think of it as cardiovascular system the heart and how you know that interrelates obviously with with the respiratory system and then the autonomic system is a is a part of your nervous system that controls um, stuff that we tend to do automatically. Breathing, we don't tend to think about breathing. Just hmm. we just do it, really. All your heart, all your heart beating as well. Exactly. We don't we don't think about the heart beating. It just ticks along nicely, hopefully uh, without any issues, and we don't have to do anything about it at all. Um, but the I think what's quite interesting about the these three is, is their interrelationship, um, and I think most people would probably understand the basic mechanics that when we breathe in, you know, we're taking in oxygen. Um, obviously that goes into, you know, there's a lot more detail in the lungs about how that sort of fills various uh, uh, sacs and, 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 and the detail of that. But in essence, what the heart is then doing is taking that oxygenated blood, that oxygen gets picked up, if you like, from, from, from the lungs, pushed around the body, deposited in all the different cells and obviously this is where it ties in with the energy system because we need to we need to use that oxygen to break down those fats and, and carbohydrates to uh, to move those muscles and then obviously the heart's gonna have to take back that you know blood with carbon dioxide back into the lungs that we then exhale i mean i think in a nutshell that's essentially how the two systems work together yeah yeah um, it's uh, again when you again when you think about what's actually happening, as, as you mentioned, the you breathe in oxygen is 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 taken out of the lungs. It's it's in sort of dissolved or, or transported through in in the, in the blood plasma and the hemoglobin um, of the blood, um, and then just, I say deposited into these cells, and then the cells re- sort of hand back carbon dioxide metabolites. Etc. Uh, Etc. Et um, byproducts of their of their respiration, their living, um, and and then that I say that gets expelled, and you have then 
you know, your kidneys and your liver and all sorts all, all adding doing their bit as well filtering and and uh, taking away and adding various nutrition nutrients etc um hormone system yeah it, it is staggering <laughs> and it all just happens in the background just ticks along and if you're healthy it's all doing it quite nicely and 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 24 24 hours a day and that's it <laughs> so it's one of those things where we are literally dipping our toe in, in this fast pool just to sort of discuss these these three things which but below that is just this vast ocean of of uh of stuff that goes on which is staggering staggering it go, it's like the muscles for me it's just like god what how we move how we do things how we function it's just incredible incredible and if you just take those those circuits that we've just been talking about, when you layer in the autonomic system, so that's two parts, mm. the parasympathetic and the sympathetic. Sympathetic is your fight or flight. Parasympathetic is your sort of rest period. You've got this nervous system that automatically regulates the heart rate. So, you know, draw, drawing that blood, pushing those metabolites and waste products back, if you like. When we go and do some exercise – you know, climb some stairs or whatever it might be, that autonomic system kicks into, you know, it, the balance, which we should have a balance between the two, automatically goes into the more sympathetic element to it, pushes the heart rate up to make sure that we can get that oxygen mm. to fuel our system. It does that without us consciously thinking about it, which is yeah. which is astonishing. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, so we, we, we think we're in control and, and free, <laughs> free will is an illusion. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But tell us from a physio perspective, Greg, and I don't know if you get many injuries uh, around the sort of diaphragm area, but how, how do we actually physically do that motion of, of breathing? Well, good question. Um, so the lungs sit within our... Um, heart and lungs sit within our rib cage. Um, so you've got your thoracic spine. So, okay, step back a little bit. So you've got your whole spinal column, so from your cranium, your skull. You've got seven cervical vertebra. Uh, that's your neck. And then you've got 12 thoracic vertebra. Each thoracic vertebra has a rib attached to it on each side. So you've got 12 ribs on each side, so 24 in total. Uh, the bottom two called floating ribs so they don't attack they're attached to the back onto the vertebra but they come forwards but don't attach to any other ribs they sort of stick out and then they're just floating there t1 to 10 so the top 10 ribs they, they attach to the back and they come around to the front and they form via cartilage and and the sternum which is bone they form this 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 uh, very intricate um uh and quite mobile um structure called the sort of the thoracic cage um, now, cage ha- implies that it's very stiff, and that's the model which which medicine tends to throw at us: is that the thoracic spine is stiff, and the thoracic cage is stiff, and it's, it's meant to be because it's there primarily as a mechanism for breathing and to protect our lungs and our heart. Now, you can breathe without your ribs moving because you've got this diaphragm. The diaphragm is this big sort of dome-like. Uh, muscle that sits underneath the the the, um, uh, the 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 lungs and the heart, and when it contracts, it basically sort of flattens out. And in doing so, it draws air in. 
And also your ribs, when you take a big breath, you feel your ribs expand and move. Well, they don't expand. The ribs move and that expands your lungs. So most of my clients, when I tell them this, they, they, it sort of, they have to turn it around in their head. What most people think is that the air coming in pushes the ribs out. That's not the case. Okay. The ribs moving draws the air in. It's like bellows. Okay. So in a blacksmith. So as they, with those bellows, as you pull the handles apart, it's that sucks air in and then you push and, and close your hands together. That pushes the air out. So effectively your, your, your lungs are attached to the inside of your body with a, with a negative, um, with a vacuum effectively, this lining of your lungs, they're stuck together. And as you breathe in and out, um, that slides around, but it's because your, your, your ribs are moving and, and, and sort of moving as well, expanding the volume of your lungs, it's dragging the lung, the, the lung tissue with it. And that sucks the air in. It's not, it's not air coming in that pushes the ribs out. Okay. So how, so how efficient you are at, at, at using your, your, your lung, your rib, your ribs effectively, um, uh, can also help in terms of your breathing. So your breathing capacity, your lung capacity, what you may think is at your maximum actually may not be, you may not be breathing efficiently. So particularly for endurance, you know, if you can improve your efficiency of, of your breathing, okay, make it more, more effective, you'll get more air in, more, more, more oxygen in. Um, so, but in terms of injury, obviously the typical one are rib injuries. So, so, you know, collision and, and fractures and stuff and, you know, really, really painful. Um, and, and, and the I, rib injuries, just to interject, and, and I, we've probably all cracked a rib or a, or bruised ribs or whatever that's why we find it difficult to breathe right it's it's because that motion you're talking about it's your ribs yeah. cage that's yeah. pulling pulling that out yeah. um if if one of those ribs or several of them are injured because they've been yeah. bruised or whatever you it, you're going to find it painful yeah. yeah and and what's interesting is when you look at the you've got these things called the intercostal muscles so if you're if you're a meat eater and you've eaten ribs spare ribs what you're eating are the intercostal muscles of the animal you're you happen to be eating. So those muscles are are stabilizing the ribs. They're also um, pulling the ribs apart relative to each other. Um, and the, and the, the ribs are attached at say at the back and at the front. But there's about 13 different junction points at each level. Each vertebrae and ribs is 13 different movement points. So that you that's and so most of your rotation of your body side bending rotation um occurs in your in your thoracic region um the lumbar spine doesn't do much of that um it's it's actually most of you're throwing a ball in when you're running etc your your trunk is rotating and and and, um translating um and if it's right if it's doing that efficiently it, it you know that's great but some what i see a lot are those those the, the, the thoracic rings we call them so the vertebra and the, and the ribs just not rotating and translating effectively and that affects neck and shoulder and pelvis and all sorts and can muck up your your ability to move better and and create pain etc but what's always interesting is when you show people how asymmetrical they are when they breathe and when you correct their position suddenly they get a bigger breath 
Um, um, so it's actually quite an interesting uh, exercise for someone to stand there or sit there and take a big breath in, put your hands on your ribs at the front and feel where where everything goes. And you'll feel, oh, crikey, one side moves more than the other. And that's because you have this asymmetry. Muscle tensions around your body are just creating this asymmetry in movement. But in terms of the mechanism for, for breathing, that's that's effectively what you what happens? Your diaphragm con- diaphragm's contracting, relaxing all the time. That's the main source of the mo- of the flow of air in and out of your lungs. As you breathe more, as you become, as you exert yourself more and more, then the, the ribs start to come into play. You're trying to get bigger and bigger expansion to allow yourself to, to suck more and more air in and expel more and more carbon dioxide and move that move that um, oxygen around your system quicker. As your, as your heart rate uh, goes up, and do you, uh, you you talked about when you see patients and 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 they might have tightness on one particular side, which causes them to you know be out of kilter, which then obviously does affect the breathing. But do you do you ever have you ever come across anything with, about the diaphragm itself um, that that maybe? Yeah, um, well, it's 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 difficult because it's so it's tucked underneath. You know, you're. To get there, you have to be pushing through abdominals and all sorts of even just to get near it, and it's just not—it's just too bloody painful. Um, but actual injuries to the diaphragm, no. Um, it's just that the diaphragm is it just it, it, if it's not functioning correctly, if it's if it's tight on one side or it's not contracting properly on one side, it tends to be because of other issues, other asymmetries within the system, which is. Uh, causing that side, those ribs not to move correctly, the um, and, and so that's that part, that portion of the diaphragm just simply can't function as effectively. You still get air in and out. You can still train. You can still do things, but you you just it's just not as efficient. You can't get the same volume of air in and out as 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 if it was moving, obviously working more efficiently. Yeah, and one of the things that from you know those. Uh, particularly those endurance athletes who are listening to this will have heard about, you know, we talked about, you, you, you alluded, mentioned it when we talked about the oxygen coming in, obviously that gets, that, that gets kind of the, the red blood cells that, yeah. um, and you know, we've all, particularly if we're cyclists have, uh, heard about the other of, you know, doping stuff. But, but when we talk about, um, those athletes who are going up to, uh, altitude training, that's essentially what they're trying to do, isn't it? Is, is elevate that 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 red that red blood cell count, the hemoglobin, to to really kind of maximise yeah. the the oxygen intake, as it were. Yeah, more the more the more blood you've got in your system, the more red blood cells, um, the better. So if you and it's all very contentious about whether you train at altitude and then the. Um, or do you sleep? Is it better to sleep at altitude and train at a low level, or or train at low level and sleep at and sleep at? Oh, yeah, there's lots of different research into it. But effectively, you're you're you're, you're if you if you're staying at or training at high higher altitudes, you're, the, the, there's just less oxygen, so your body has to adapt to that. And then, with given enough time, and we're talking weeks and months, then your body starts producing more blood cells to take on less of the oxygen that's coming into you. Then when you take that with you down to sea level, and suddenly you've got more blood cells, and obviously then you know with the, the doping, the EPO, the erythropoietin is the is the is the naturally occurring um, drug that um, that they inject. 
that, that we have that they, they inject and then that creates uh, an artificial stimulus to to create new um, uh, to create more blood cells than you actually need um, um, so yeah it's uh, <laughs> this, it was quite interesting just that that in itself is quite interesting that's a whole new podcast but yeah. um, but it is, it's quite an interesting mechanism um, for that yeah yeah I mean uh, when I did my um, uh, ultramarathon uh, coaching uh, stuff there's a, there's a lot on there about altitude training and what's as you say, what's the best method and what have you, but, but, but you're right. In essence, what you're trying to do is in, in, increase that, that red blood cell. It's probably also fair to say when we talk about the cardiovascular system uh, in, in our podcast, because like everything that we end up talking about in our podcast, there's a natural potential decline <laughs> in, <laughs> in our cardiovascular system. As we get older, we tend to get yeah. arteries that, tend to get a little bit narrower they tend to get a little rigid. bit stiffer and rigid and don't have that 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 flexibility and um that's a natural byproduct of of getting older so mm. listeners you know will be in that midlife period probably will have some stiffness in our arteries they probably aren't as wide and nice and open as they were when we were younger either no but the th- as i say it's, it's but if you're using it um, they're going to stay a bit more flexible. They're going to stay a bit more healthy um, by the fact, by, by the very nature of using them um, and, and, stre- and stressing them, but stressing them in a positive way. You know, stress is a positive thing rather than seen as negative. Um, you know, we hear about stress all the time in the media, or oh, stressful this and stressful that. It's always negative connotations. But, but, but physical activity, physical exercise is a stressor, but it's, it's a positive thing if done if done well and and safely, and it has you know massive benefits, you know reduction in in um, atherosclerosis, um, improved heart function and uh, circulation, and you know it goes the list goes on and on and on. Um, and as we get older, we just got to keep doing it, which is why we're doing this podcast, and which is why everyone's listening to it. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, and the flip side to that is if you don't do it, you do get this buildup of um, oxidative stress in, in those, mm. in those blood vessels and very often inflammation. And we go back to go back to Phil Cavell when we interviewed him, the midlife cyclist, uh, the guy mm. who, uh, who wrote that book and, and uh, he talked an awful lot about inflammation um mm. in, in the book and on the podcast that we that we did with him and that that's what causes some of these issues that we see with aging uh with cardiovascular disease yeah and and there's more and more in the, in the press about talking about metabolic disease um so things like obesity etc cetera, etc cetera, is part of that sort of metabolic profile and and they talk about you know about inflammatory stuff and, they, and, they, and they're talking about this with, with regards to things like osteoarthritis as well as, as rather than just wear and tear, it's actually, you know, it's, it's the inflammatory processes, inflammatory metabolic issues, which, which an unhealthy body has, which drives the um, uh, things like osteoarthritis, which I see a lot of. Which before it was just like wear and tear. If you injure the joint, you're going to get arthritic. If you get old, you're going to get arthritic. That's not, yes, and, yes to a degree. But you know you can be you can be old and have degenerative changes in your joints. But part of it is is you, it's pain free, but you, you 
because you can still function on it because you've used it. And that's what it needs. But that's that's for another podcast. That's another podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So whistle stop tour of <laughs> respiratory, <laughs> cardiovascular, and a very, very oblique touch point on the on the um autonomic system um and um i mean again we we can go into i mean you could go into any one of this and in depth but what we'll probably end up doing is touching the autonomic system again when we come on to things like heart rate variability um which is different to heart rate um Mm. uh, heart rate variability is something something completely different but we'll touch on that in a little bit more detail there um I don't think we're going to touch on the respiratory system again, probably, uh, or even probably the cardiovascular system, other than maybe when we talk about uh, training and looking at uh, VO2. Yeah, that probably yes. is explain that a little um, bit when we get there. What, what I would say as well, actually, something I read, um, which is which is very interesting, because going back to my pre – was it my – was I – Undergraduate, I can't remember, but we talk about oxygen as being yeah, the oxidative process. We think oxi- in the presence of oxygen, you're burning um, uh, uh, fats and all sorts. Um, actually, one of the reasons why we, um, vast, you know, virtually every single species on this planet has oxygen, we breathe oxygen, is actually to soak up the, the hydrogen ions, that, which are the byproduct of metabolism. So actually, it's it's as we exercise more, as we as our heart rate goes up, we're exercising, and we, our oxygen demand goes up, our breathing rate goes up to bring in more oxygen to soak up the hydrogen ions, which are the byproduct. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. So, it does make sense. So that's the fun. That, that was that was because it was all that oxygen. That's what in the presence of oxygen you burn your fat, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, um, until you get. Until it becomes anaerobic, the oxygen. Yes, that oxygen is there for that, but its primary role for to, to, oxygen is there to soak up the hydrogen ions, which is which is always always being produced. Which is why we have, you know, we're always breathing. But effectively, it's um, uh, it's because of that, which I, I which I find quite interesting. But um, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't it's not going to change how we exercise. No, and 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 the other interesting thing, and again, maybe we'll come on to this when we talk about the sort of um, uh, heart rate variability and the like, is 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 carbon dioxide. Uh, everyone thinks sort of you know carbon dioxide is 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 uh, it's the main driver for the oxygen, right? You know, so if you've got high levels of carbon dioxide, invariably you that what drives you to to breathe and push in or pull in more oxygen so actually acclimatizing if you like to that carbon dioxide levels is also something that's 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 beneficial um Mm. but we tend to think about carbon dioxide not in that way that it's you know it, it just gets expelled out but it's it's the rise in levels of carbon dioxide that causes you to want to be able to take in more oxygen well, yeah, and there's there's there are with some respiratory diseases, you get people who are who become oxygen get driven by oxygen levels to breathe rather than carbon dioxide. So we breathe, so that's why we are susceptible to carbon dioxide and carbon monoxide poisoning, because it, 
we keep breathing it because it's, it's we're driven to keep breathing. And as the rates go up, you need to get more and more carbon dioxide. You just keep breathing more to get rid of more and more carbon dioxide. That's why that's why it's a silent, such a silent killer. But oxygen, yes, you're quite right. Everyone thinks we're breathing to, to take in oxygen, yes, but it's the carbon dioxide which is the driver as to as to our, our respiratory rate. So the increase in carbon dioxide means our respiration goes up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And listeners, you can have a little play with this. Um, it's quite a good fun exercise. If you just lie down, you can do it before going to sleep if you like. But when you lie down in bed, if you actually extend your exhales, um, so in effect, what you're doing is just slow, slow your slow your breathing down, extend your exhales, you, you're pushing up your carbon, uh, carbon dioxide levels. And you'll be able to maintain it for a period of time. And then, and then you'll find you, you really do have a sort of sharp intake you, you, because essentially your body's saying, hang on, <laughs> the, the balance yeah. has gone a little bit astray here. I need some more, I need some more oxygen. So you can practically see that happening over a very short period of time, actually. Uh, it's quite, it's quite yeah. an interesting, uh, interesting and, thing. And it's, yeah. And it's also why you see yeah, on TV, people say, you know, someone's hyperventilating and they say, oh, breathe into a paper bag. Think, what the hell's doing that? Well, because when you hyperventilate, you blow off more more um, carbon dioxide, and so your your then then your your respiratory rate goes goes mental. So breathing into a paper bag increases your level of levels of carbon dioxide in your bloodstream, and then your your heart rate and respiratory rate calms down. Seems yeah. paradoxical, but yeah, and it's the same with the panic attack, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a sim- it's similar what's effect. Also, what's also interesting, this is just purely just my nerdy brain. Um, we are we are we call passive breathers, so we don't um, we are we don't we can't kill ourselves by holding our breath. We can't just hold our breath and and <laughs> and just stop breathing. At some point, we literally have to breathe. Um, whereas something like a, a, a turtles are active breathers, they actually have to consciously. Take a breath. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So they so so if they if they 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 don't necessarily drown. If they can't come up for air, they just die because they can't. They just have breath, taking a breath. We drown in water because we actually at some point we hold our breath for as long as we can. Then we can't do any more. And then we take a breath and then we inhale water and then that's it. But with with um, with with um, turtles they don't necessarily drown they just stop breathing literally that's interesting so they do they not have an autonomic system or is it just works differently i'm sure they do but they, but they, it's just how they're able to hold their breath for long periods of time um so but if they're forced because of predators to stay underwater for long periods of time they they can actually die because they can't get their air in being being you know air breathers but effectively, they do it because they just simply run out of oxygen and then they die. Not not by drowning and trying and breathing in water. Yeah, that's a very nerdy aside. Sorry about that. You don't. I don't think we get many athletic turtles either. <laughs> <laughs> they Maybe. swim a very long way. We can we can learn a lot from a turtle. I'm sure. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. So. So yeah, so that was a that was a whistle stop tour of of the respiratory, cardiovascular, and autonomic systems. Why it's all fits together, and why you get if you 
use a Garmin or I guess it's the same for the Apple watches. You get things like respiration rates being measured and all that kind of stuff. Um, And I think, I think that's it for our sort of foundational stuff. Now I think we're moving on to more, more sort of uh, more of the meat and drink of the, of the midlife athlete framework. stuff. The next one is the, is strengthening. Strengthening. How we strengthen what to do? Yeah, um, that's going to be that's a quite that's quite a biggie. That's, uh, we might have to have a have, have to have a toilet break in there somewhere. <laughs> so it's put it into two parts, but yeah, it's um, yeah, it's just reading reading back through that and, and going through the textbooks and stuff has been has been great. Been a real sort of refresher course and um, sort of clarifying things in my head as well. But that's really good. So looking forward to to regurgitating all that. Yeah, well, can't wait for that one. Um, I know it's your pet subject, uh, mm. strengthening. I'm sure I'm going to learn an awful lot as well. So uh, probably feel bad that I'm not doing something. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, we'll call it a day. Um, hopefully uh, you can catch up on all of the stuff uh, on the usual places. All the stuff goes out to Spotify, iTunes, all that kind of stuff. We even push stuff out on Substack, so um, you can find it there. Occasionally, there's a newsletter if I can get around to, to writing it. It's an interesting one at the moment, just being released on on um, what's the optimum interval training. Um, interesting piece of research around that. So go and go and suss it out, subscribe, um, and uh, comment. We had a comment today actually on that one, which is really interesting. Yeah, a uh, seventy-year-old cyclist. Okay. Um, Really interesting comment but um yeah so find us listen subscribe whichever we get your uh you get your stuff and we'll um see you next time well we won't see you but we'll sort of see you yeah for uh strength yeah cheers all right bye-bye see ya